Hey guys! So I hope you're all doing well this week. Um, thanks for tuning in last week to Dinosh Bennett's episode. I hope you managed to get a few little nuggets of information um, or inspiration to take away with you. Um, don't forget to check her out on her social media pages at Dinosh Bennett. She posts daily about kind of health and lifestyle and I think it's really inspiring and who doesn't need a bit of inspiration, right? So this week I am chatting to Erica Newt, who is a Canadian vocalist, voice coach and co-owner of One Voice Vocal Studio. She has sung with nationally acclaimed artists and musicians in some of Canada's best venues and performs in the event band Uptown. She's also recently a, a certified vocal health first aider and a member of Vocology in Practice a network of voice experts, um, which I actually have been training with the, over the last six months as well. And I can't wait to become a certified coach. Um, but myself and Erica actually met through Vocology in Practice um, at one of their seminars about three years ago, I think, in the UK. Um, and although we didn't chat at the seminar, we kind of became friends on social media. And one day she posted that she was doing a workshop on um, extreme vocals or singing with edge, I think it was called. So uh, me having an interest in that, I decided to sign up. And from that, I just liked her vibe. She's a real cool gal. And I decided to book in for some singing lessons with her as well. So I've been working with her now, I think for about six months or so. Um, but yeah, she's a cool girl. And I really enjoyed kind of sitting down with her and kind of spending a bit of time getting to know about her history and where she's come from as a, as a musician, as a mom, as a voice coach and all the rest. So enjoy the, enjoy the episode, guys, and let us know what you think. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Um, as a vocal or as a vocalist, my experience with theater was always that I wanted to sing more. So I was always, whenever I did a musical theater show, I was like, okay, like, first, like, what's the part and what do I get to sing in this show? And what I loved about musical theater too, was it's, it was always about a variety of genres. Like they yeah. always had, like, it has influences of like, depending on the musical, mm. some would sound more jazz and some would sound more rock and roll or, um, more Disney, right? Like they yeah, always had yeah. these different sounds and I was always so excited about how I could explore and use my voice differently in each show. And I think I just through, through singing and musicals, I realized how much that like the vocal aspect was so big to me and, and how it was limited in my circle where, where the training was on how to achieve those different genres. So it was really coming at musical theater from a classical perspective. And so I was always like, okay, like there's gotta be like, why don't we know more about pop vocals? Why don't we know more about rock vocals? Like mm. these are important for musical theater singers. And so I think that kind of sparked a, a, a desire to learn and to want to want to know more about my voice and know how to make these sounds. So um, there's this combination of an excitement about learning it and wanting to share and then wanting to share what that was about. Cause I'm like, Hey, mm. there is all this information out there. There is, there are tools for us to, to sing all these different genres. And I think, 
I think that was really why I, I focused on singing and singing. was always my passion first, like mm-hmm. even in musical theater, it's always been about the singing. So I think, um, I did like when I was younger, I did have this idea that like, Oh, maybe when I'm older, I'll open up a theater school or something yeah. like that. Um, but I just wasn't as passionate about some of the other aspects of theater, um, yeah. as I was about singing. So, um, I yeah. think once I had discovered my voice and really discovered that I could sing a variety of styles and, and I could teach a variety of styles, like it was really exciting to me. And so that's why I focused on teaching voice. Yeah. Cause I, I remember, um, I don't know if you were at this one, but there was a musical theater singer who I can't remember her name, uh, Chris Johnson's, um, partner actually. Oh yeah, Natalie. Natalie? Na- is it Natalie? Yeah, I was going to say Natalie actually, and I was like, I wasn't sure. I don't um, remember. Yeah, but I think, I'm pretty like, sure it's Natalie. I think she was talking about, or some there was some some workshop about um, like how tiring and um, musical theatre singing is, and like doing like long months of long shows, and you know, really demanding roles vocally and physically as well. And they were kind of talking about maybe there might have been a slight lack of support for singers um, who work in theatre. And I'm wondering, like, what kind of support was available as a theatre singer, someone who sung in, in musical theatre to you when you were kind of engaged in that area? Not much, really. Um, I think there, there, are, there were plenty of private vocal coaches. So you could see a vocal coach, um, which is good. Um, I think I just had found that most vocal coaches had a, which they should have kind of a niche. They had a specific sound or thing that they, they focused on or worked on, but I found it lacking in the contemporary side of musical theater and the contemporary side of singing, Mm -hmm. um, in general. So, I think that was something where I was like, I think we need to cross these worlds together because we had music schools where singers were learning contemporary music. And then we had musical theater where they're kind of learning an approach that was closer to classical and that type of traditional approach. Mm -hmm. And so there was no crossover between the two. And that was something that I was like, okay, like these are both excellent ways to address our voice, but let's figure out a way to connect the dots a little bit more and include all of these different things and put them together. Um, so yeah, the resources, I, I mean, maybe I didn't know all the resources. Um, I, I did find that there, there weren't many, (laughs) there, there wasn't much out there for, for us to really feel prepared. Um, yeah. Yeah. And even within stuff, like you could take a class here and there, you know, at a private dance studio or whatever to, to keep, keep up, but it still never seemed like it was enough. Um, mm-hmm. So it seems yeah, that- to be like a high demand, like a lot of a high expectation, you know, cause you're, especially cause you're playing like character roles and stuff as well. So you're going, you're having to like distort your voice and change your voice into like different sounds. And like, it mm. sounds like that, that isn't taught. You're just kind of expected to, to do, to like, no. And then if it's not really being taught or under being understood, then where's the vocal care come in? And like, how mm-hmm. do you look after your voice if you don't really know what's happening, you know? 
Yeah. And I think there, there isn't, there isn't much out there. I think, I think the UK has a lot more resources and I'm, I'm sure uh, United States does too. Um, mm-hmm. I, I haven't found much here Yeah. Um, for musical theaters, singers. I don't think it's, it doesn't seem to be a priority in the, the health world. Um, yeah. Even, uh, and this is kind of a tangent, but I, that's partly why I wanted to take that vocal health for stater course uh, was because I found like, it's here, it's like, okay, you have a vocal injury or you're sore or whatever, just rest. Like there's not, Mm -hmm. there's not really the proper care and resources that are given to vocalists here. And so I think that was something that was a priority to me as well. I mean, there granted, there are some vocal coaches here in Edmonton and Alberta and like, you know, that do the proper care and and take Mm -hmm. care of the vocalists that they're working with. So I'm not yeah, putting down anybody, but mm-hmm. I, I definitely find as a whole, like in our healthcare system and all that stuff doesn't put a priority on the professional singer world because yeah. people think professional singer means some celebrity, right? Like they think mm-hmm. Justin Bieber is a pro- professional singer, mm-hmm. but they're not really considering the musical theater artists. They're not considering the gigging musicians. Um, they're not really thinking about the day-to-day professionals. They're thinking about the celebrity professionals, right? And they're kind of missing Mm. the mark a bit. Yeah, absolutely. But I I feel that that's the case in many countries across the world. But like, I think I've I've spoke to you before, like I only really discovered this whole world of like, um, you know, learning about contemporary singing and studying the voice and all this in the, from a contemporary lens in the last four or five years, I I didn't mm-hmm. know it existed before then. All I, before mm-hmm. that, it was like when I left school, it was musical theatre and classical. And that mm-hmm. was it. But with the likes of like vocology and practice, and there's like other voice forums that are popping up across the world, really, um, yeah. and different workshops and webinars. And people are starting to show more of an interest in that side of things, like the vocal um, rehabilitation and all that side of things and about the anatomy and how it works and kind of how we can strengthen our voices and that kind of thing. So I think it's it's starting to seep out. You know, mm-hmm. it might be starting with like the pop and rock singers, but like I feel that's going to start seeping out into the musical theatre world and other areas as well in time. It takes time. Yeah. And I think the crossover that's difficult to happen is or what what will be difficult is there is a bit of a mindset shift that needs to happen for um, in the musical theater and classical world. And that is that um, it's okay to explore sounds. And, and um, I think there's just, there's a little bit of a, oh no, like you don't want to hurt yourself. Mm-hmm. I've I've worked with so many vocalists that have come in with this like the fear of like injuring themselves, injuring our voice and just kind of, and not that like, we do want to take care of our voice, but just the approach is fear-based instead of care-based, you know? Like, yeah. and so it's like, okay, we can care for our voice. We can explore distorted sounds. We can explore our voice and still be caring for our voice. You know, it doesn't mean that you're abandoning care and just, going to do whatever and hurt your voice. You know, there, Mm -hmm. there are ways to, to go about it. So I think that shift of mindset in the, the musical theater world, at least where I am, 
um, needs to happen a little bit more. The, the music mm. theater and classical world need to shift into the, the world of being able to explore your voice and just have a deeper understanding of how it works. You know, I think there's just some outdated information out there that yeah, I, I do think the world is catching up though. Like mm-hmm. I think there are a lot of people that are like, oh, what's this straw thing? And I'm like, yeah, it's only been around for a while now. Like, um, and still the the straw is a new thing for people, yeah. right? And I'm we're still I'm still teaching singers that have never heard of the straw who've taken theater programs, who've taken these things. And I'm like, this isn't new. And mm-hmm. and it's not it's it's not a diss, but it isn't new. It, it, this yeah. isn't a new tool, you know. This is a great resource for singers who are gigging or doing musical theater shows on a regular basis, you know. And so I yeah the world is catch like the theater world and the classical world, I think is catching up to that. I think they have mm-hmm. different demands as well. Yeah. Absolutely. The classical singers will have different demands. And so I, I, I don't know if I can really speak into classical as much, cause I think that is a different kind of beast in yeah. its own, but um, for musical theater, I think they could catch up a little bit more to the contemporary world. So what advice would you give to anyone who is who is maybe doing a musical theatre degree in university um, or just someone who's been who's working in the in the area who doesn't know much about what other options there are to learn more about their voice and how to care for their voice? And what where would you direct them? Mm -hmm. Well, I think finding, you know, there are a lot of voice teachers out there that are part of vocology in practice. Um, I think that's a great place to start is, is finding the right vocal coach for you. Um, and that might take a bit of juggling to, or like <laughs> that might take a little bit of, you know, trial and error as well. You might find this person is good with this, but I don't really like this or whatever. And that's totally fine. You know, it's, mm-hmm. you're going to jive with some voice coaches and you're not going to jive with others. So, um, that's totally normal. Um, but I think the biggest thing is like, if you go to Vocology and Practice on their their website, and you should be able to find a whole list of singers, and you can find a list—I mean, a vocal vocal coaches—and you can pick through that. Maybe somebody that's in your area, or they don't have to be in your area because you and mm-hmm. I are working together, and you're in Ireland, and I'm I'm in Canada, right? Like, the internet is wonderful, so mm-hmm. um, it's a great tool for us. So, and just uh, so I think finding a teacher that has some vocology base, uh, is super beneficial. I think they have a well-rounded approach. Mm-hmm. I, I, my, advi- my advice for a singer would be to try to stay away from voice coaches that this sounds bad, but that are only teaching always, one method. Yeah. One, uh, uh, mm-hmm. I don't, I, I don't think one method, one method works for all, mm-hmm. you know, if you're doing yoga and voice, that is a wonderful practice. Keep mm-hmm. doing that, but you might want to add something else to that. Yeah. Um, if you're focusing on a still, um, there are other, there are some limitations to that as well. So finding a voice coach that has an overall understanding of the different methods mm-hmm. and maybe they weren't certified in those methods, but having having an understanding. And I feel like what I like about vocology and practice is it's not like, this is the method, follow this. It's like, yeah. Hey, this is what 
we do with posture. And this is what this person is saying about this. And this is what this person is saying about this. And this is what this still teacher says about this. And this is what this speech level singing teacher talks about this. So it's not like a method. So I would encourage a vocalist to find somebody who's well-rounded and doesn't necessarily teach one specific method, because if that Mm -hmm. method doesn't work for you, you're not going to work well. You're not going to grow well with that teacher. So yeah, like looking for somebody who's kind of continually um, upskilling, someone who's 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 not just going to accept that what they know is what they know, somebody who's who's curious and who's, you know, um, signing up to courses to learn about X, Y and Z, because you do you do take a little bit from each different um, school of thought, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's kind of uh, along the lines of like, everyone's everyone has a different like learning method you know some people are more visual some people are more um kinesthetic or whatever Mm -hmm. and with the voice I think it's the same it's like about finding something that just clicks with you and helps you unlock what you're trying to achieve and Mm -hmm. I think what you said is like a really good suggestion of just finding someone who has you know a little bit of a few things because then you have more options to play with Mm mm-hmm and a, and a communication style that, that you, that you connect with, you know, if that, um, you know, a lot of teachers have Instagram accounts and have, you know, a lot of, you have more access to seeing teachers before mm-hmm. even meeting them. Yeah. Um, and so if you're interested in, and and a teacher, see what they have online, see how they talk, see how they behave, you know, and it's not, it's not out of a judgment place, but it's out of like, is this a person that's like me? Like, do I connect with this person? Mm-hmm. Um, because that's also really important is finding like, okay, I could jive with this person. I'm going to connect with them and see if I can yeah. have them as a coach, right? Because they might be an incredible teacher, but you also want to see if that personality connects with your personality. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it voice coach is so much more than just somebody that helps you sing, you know? So yeah. it's, it's important to find somebody that you really connect with. Because the voice is, is like, um, the voice is so, it's not just singing. It's, it's about mind, body and soul. And, mm-hmm. you know, your emotions affect how your voice sounds, your health affects how your voice sounds, you know, whether you're tired, whether you've been drinking enough water, all these things, mm-hmm. but it also if you don't connect with that person on a, just a personal level, then you might not get as much from them, Do you know? So it's just yeah. like to find someone who you connect with on a personal level as well. And yeah, I would say like as well, just, you know, working with a few different coaches, you know, work with someone for a few months and then try someone else and, you know, learn from the different people because everyone has like slightly different backgrounds. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And they can contribute, contribute different information for you and, and that kind of stuff too. And then and yeah. can unlock different things in your voice that maybe the other teacher couldn't. I think it's important to stick with somebody uh, for a good amount of time. Mm-hmm. I think some, some singers will just try one person and they'll try somebody else and they'll try somebody else. And like, for sure, if you definitely feel like that person, you don't connect with them, mm-hmm. don't bother continuing to take lessons from them. But I do think if you want to see results, like you will, you can get results in the first lesson. Like that's happened lots, but you also need to, to, to take the time to go on that journey with your voice coach. Cause your voice coach is also getting to know you. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. 
and getting to know your voice at the same time as you getting to know them. And, and, and so giving, giving a little bit of time for that to settle, to, to see if it works too, is, is, uh, important. Yeah, definitely stick with it. Like if it's feeling good and it's feeling right and you're having some success and stick with it and see, see how far you can take it. Mm -hmm. So when you left theatre school, um, what did you go on to do next? What was your next step? Yeah. So right after theatre school, I got engaged. <laughs> um, so, which is wonderful. I'm still with him. Yay. Um, no, so, <laughs> yay, it was good. Uh, so, af- but after theatre school, I, I did get engaged, but I also um, from there worked for Royal Caribbean Cruise Line. So cool. I sang um, on a ship that uh, we went to like the Bahamas and stuff. So that was really cool. It was really difficult because I was, you know, in love and all that stuff. So, um, the long distance kind of thing was, didn't work very well for us. So I did one contract because that was sort of, it was just a little bit too hard on our, on our relationship and that's in that sense, right? Like long distance is tough for a lot of people. So, um, but as a performer, it was a fantastic job. (laughs) Like I loved every minute of singing and, it, it was basically the combination of the things I love. I really love to sing and dance. Like those, those are the parts of theater that I really love. Mm-hmm. And that was, those were cruise ships. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, you're dancing all the time and you're singing a variety of styles of songs. Uh, unless you're mm-hmm. doing like going on a ship and you're doing Grease or you're doing a specific musical. Yeah. But I was doing more of a review show. So you're doing Aretha Franklin and then you're doing something from a an old movie or... Yeah. So you're doing a variety of styles, which I mm-hmm. always gravitated to. I love being able to use my voice differently Yeah, uh, for different songs. So that's kind of, that was, I, I did that contract. And then after coming back and uh, uh, getting married and stuff, but through, through being here uh, back home, um, I just, I just did some musicals um, in my city and um, that probably, I probably did it did musicals kind of back to back for, for a few years and, um, yeah. Yeah. And kind of just moved out of that almost naturally. Like it wasn't ever really, a a decision like today I'm not doing musical theater. It just kind of naturally yeah. progressed into, uh, into something else. And this was all like paid work. Like obviously the cruise ship stuff was, but the musical theater was more um, than just some... like your local musical society. I'm assuming some, some was community theater mm-hmm. and some was, um, more like, um, what do you call it? Um, professional kind of like, no, but it like not profit share type of shows. So you would do a show and like, uh, yeah, the, 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 yeah. Profit share, I think is what it's called. Yeah. 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 It's split between the the people involved. So it's more like more of those kind of productions Mm. and, um, but yeah, and I, I think like even after that, I was still very much like just wanted to sing more. And I was always finding like, oh, like I'm doing this musical. I'm rehearsing for however many days and mm. and all that stuff. And and I'm singing one song and that's not enough for me. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, and it wasn't like I didn't want to be greedy in the shows and stuff. It's just like I just wanted to sing all the time. And I still if I can sing all day, every day, like that's what I want to do. Like, I just want to sing all the time. So I think, I think that was just something where I was like, okay, like this isn't quite 
this isn't quite enough for me The the time commitment, mm. the, um, I just wasn't really feeling, I guess, as fulfilled as I thought I would. Um, can I ask, um, if it's okay that about how life as a, as a musician, as a professional musician changed after you have had kids? Oh, I'm just wondering um, if that, like if that, how that shapes your career. Yeah. So actually a funny thing. So I, in the middle of like transitioning from doing theater, I stopped doing theater. Um, also, uh, this is another topic, but I think it's important to mention, um, I am a Christian. And so I was starting to do roles that were kind of, I felt like compromising for myself. I was getting cast continually in, you know, the slutty role or the, the promiscuous role. And I was just sort of like, you know what, I don't want to do that anymore. Like I I was really feeling like I was compromising something of myself when I was uh, taking part in those productions. So that was another reason why I started to just uh, transition a little bit. Um, and so around the same time I was transitioning into singing in a cover band and singing, um, just for events and just getting contract work, like freelance vocalist, as I was transitioning into that role, I actually got pregnant. So the transition, like my, my career uh, as a vocalist, I've always had Mm -hmm. my son basically. So I don't know anything different than having a kid. Um, I am very blessed to have a husband that has a steady job. (laughs) Yeah, because I think for a lot of um, musicians or performers, um, sometimes that you know you're married to another performer, and so the consistency uh, and the stability isn't always there. Yeah, but um, my husband's an engineer; he has a very stable position and job, so I was able to stay at home during the days with my son, and then gig in the evenings because my son, my husband was home in the evenings. So yeah. it worked out really well for us. We were able to balance. And I've, honestly, I've never felt like it, it was ever a difficult thing, really. Like it, yeah, it seems like um, it kind of just fitted into place for you. Yeah. And it wouldn't have fit if I continued with theater. It just wouldn't have worked. Um, mm. But doing doing events on weekends or singing at whatever this jazz night. Okay. I'll sing there. Or, oh, you're singing at this gala. Okay. I'll sing there. Right. And you're rehearsing still, but you're not rehearsing every night. You're not rehearsing every day. You're, you're not performing every day or every night you're performing once or twice a week, or that's, that's a good week. You know, some, sometimes you're performing once every couple of weeks. Um, so it really worked, um, balancing with teaching and balancing with, um, just home life um yeah because I, I just noticed that like over here I, I know a lot of um female musicians who who are having kids a lot later or not having kids at all and like not that I've talked to them all personally about it but I wonder if that's partly down to the lifestyle that you live when you're a musician because you know work you have to go when the work comes you know it's not like mm. always a regular thing it's yeah. like, it's kind of harder to plan things. I just was curious to ask you about that, but it seems like it yeah. kind of just worked out for you. Yeah. You know, I have, um, you know, I only have one, I have one kid, which might make it easier, you know? Mm. Um, but I do have a friend that she's the one that sings in the band with me as well. And she has three kids and she, 
she makes it work as well. And it's, you know, coordinated with her husband and also her mom and, you know, people, people want to chip in to help you. Like your loved ones want to help you and want to see your kids. Like, it's not like you're, it's not an, it's not a burden to your family to spend time with your children. I think some people worry that it is, it isn't, you know, your family's usually really aside from COVID time <laughs> wanting to, well, they still want to, but <laughs> they have yeah, the they're happy to. to spend time with them. Yeah. They're, they're happy to spend time with the kids. Right. And, and they want to, to visit. So we also have like a really good, like um, a good family system of um, parents and stuff that, mm. that also come alongside and, and care, care for our son yeah. when we need him. So that's or lovely. we need them too. Yeah. So I think mm. if you are wanting to have kids or you're wanting to move in that direction and, and theater, it's uh, important to, to have a connection of a team of people that are going to help raise your kid, you know, Support you, system, and that, right? yeah. And raise your kid. I mean, we all influence the children. So like, yeah, that community to kind of help. Was there, was there, I don't know who is, who said it. So is, was there, is there a saying that goes, um, it takes a town to raise a kid or something like no, that? Yeah. There is something <laughs> like that. I don't, I don't know what a village or, or something. It, it takes yeah. a village or I don't know. Yeah. But it's true though. Like it, um, it, it does make a difference and it, it is important. And so I really feel for those moms that, you know, might be living in London and don't have their family yeah. in the same city as them um, yeah. and stuff like that. Like it's, that is a difficult thing. So, you know, I, I can, I can see why people make different choices, you know, and so it's, it's really up to you what you feel like works with your balance and stuff. So can I ask you, cause we, we chatted a little bit yesterday um, about kind of today and stuff. And you mentioned kind of in passing about, your students and kind of the need to be a jack of all trades in a sense and to be able to sing multiple genres and I'm wondering how important you think that is and um can you elaborate on that a little bit sure I think um well for myself I have found that to be super important um I have found that as uh, a freelance vocalist or a vocalist that's just hired for gigs here and there um, I'm hired more because I can do more. Um, mm. you know, if, if someone needs a jazz singer, well, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm a jazz singer, but I can sing jazz. So I get hired. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Somebody wants somebody to do like a sixties rock show. Sure. I'll do a sixties rock show. Oh, mm. last year I did a, a Broadway themed show. Sure. I'll sing Defying Gravity. You know, you want to be able to have the ability to, to sing all these genres. If you're doing, if you're a vocalist like that, it's really, really helpful. And it's really helpful to have those kind of tools as a musical theater vocalist as well. So mm. I guess elaborating on uh, being a jack of all trades, it's just spending time exploring the different genres of music with your voice and how you can, how you can shape your vowels and how you can, and make this, you can make those sounds that are suited to that, that style and still be you mm -hmm. like still not, you're not copying anybody. You're not imitating anyone. You're just exploring your voice and how your voice can make the sounds in those different genres. 
Yeah, because I in like obviously in music college and university, they that's what they do. They take you through all the genres and they they get you to study into that genre for a semester and you you know you study the different vocalists and artists um and you learn from those artists and there is a certain amount of mimicry involved but i think mm. somewhere between you doing your own thing and kind of mimicking in with the intent to learn from them you do find your own voice because you kind of go oh i can do that i wonder could i do more or i wonder could i mm -hmm. change it a bit and then you can find your own voice but for singers who who aren't in that university environment um yeah, I think it definitely is important to take time to 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 just study artists. So like, you yeah. know, to I don't know, give yourself a, a few weeks or a couple of months or whatever and like pick an artist and study them or a few artists in a genre and, you know, see, see, can you make yourself sound like them and then see, can you put your own twist on it? Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah, definitely. I think with um, depending on the type of student I have, I, you know, we'll I have students that come in you know, periodically, but students that might be more regular and are just focusing on working on their voice. They might not have a show that they're working on. They're just working on just consistently growing. And so students that come with that kind of uh, mindset and availability, I guess, um, they, I tend to suggest different materials. So we'll work mm -hmm. on like this one student was continually working on like a U2 kind of sound like yeah. he, he was singing you two and that was great and we were both like yes that's awesome now let's do frank sinatra mm. and so we did some frank sinatra which is a very different sound and a, a very different quality and it was just like yeah let's play with that and we we're both like yeah like let's let's explore these sounds and so that's a really great way is just to cover different material and mm. and and play with that. And, and through that, I guide them in that genre. You know, it's, you're not on your own figuring out how to sing that genre. It's like, we work on, okay, how do we make these vowels warmer? How do we make these brighter? And, and just playing with the different attributes that are involved in that, in that style. And you and I have done that with mm -hmm. rock music and what, what's okay. Like what is distortion? What is growl? What is, you know, rattle? What are these sounds and, and how do we explore them? And, um, and how do we color our songs with them yeah. in that genre? Yeah, because I, I, I feel that like sometimes singers, students anyway, get stuck in a genre that they they feel comfortable in, I suppose. And, you know, even if they don't intend to sing Frank Sinatra or whatever the genre is, you know, they don't think that they're going to end up doing that. It's good to kind of explore that part of your voice because it makes you... Um, you're more valuable to an employer. So we were we were talking a little bit about um, about the difference between like songwriter singers and mm -hmm. um, kind of professional uh, freelance vocalists. And I suppose, obviously, you know, the difference is that like a freelance vocalist needs to be a bit more versatile, or at least you have more job options open to you if you can be, because you're going mm -hmm. to get booked for things like um like playing in event bands or maybe doing like um sync work like voiceover work yeah um yeah. maybe I don't know um backing someone up on a live gig or there's so yeah. many different things that you need to be able to to mold yourself into and maybe you could tell us a little bit about bit about that kind of side of the work um have you experienced much of that or have your students experienced much of that type of work um yeah I mean 
I've done backing vocals for country singers. I am not a country vocalist. I mean, I'm in Alberta, which is like country music land in Canada. Like it does not interest me whatsoever. Mm -hmm. I'm not into country. Um, but there are so many great country artists and there's so many great, you know, um, musicians out there. And so, yeah, I've been hired to do backing vocals for a country singer. So you kind of have to change a little bit of your vowels and stuff to suit and to blend with the singer, like the lead singer. Um, but yeah, like I was saying earlier that, and then I was like within the same year I'm hired for, I sing stairway to heaven or, and then I have to sing defying gravity. Mm-hmm. And then I have to sing a jazz set. And then I have to sing uh, a country song, you know? And so it's like, and we also had like a, a gig that was, uh, um, Woodstock themed, you know? Oh, and so you're kind of like, you're, you're, and so I was doing Janis Joplin, right. Or whatever. And so yeah. you're, you're, you're hired for, for all of these things. And you, I mean, I love that. I love to be able to mm-hmm. do all the different, the different sounds, but that is super crucial. I think, you know, I think it just, it opens you up for, for a lot more opportunities. And when I'm looking to singers, you know, if, if there's an event that I can't do and I'm looking for somebody that could fill in for me, I'm looking for somebody that could do that genre, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, and if it's, if it's the same person that I use all the time, I think even better, like, you know, it's not, it seems kind of annoying, but you know, people want somebody they can rely on and they know will do a good job. So, I mean, from a practical perspective, it's not only important to be able to sing all these genres, but you have to be good to work with. Um, you have to Mm -hmm. be on time. You have to be prepared. Like obviously all the wonderful things that are needed to be a good employee anywhere still are super important in this, in this setting. Right. So people also want to be able to know that they can count on you. Um, so that's a huge thing, especially with, as a gigging musician, or, or vocalists, like people need to know that, oh, if I hire this girl for this event, she will be able to do a great job singing it. She'll be on time. She'll be kind to the sound technicians. She'll be, you know, like all of these things. Like I know that she's potentially representing me and mm-hmm. that, and that is, and I trust that, you know? Um, so I think those are also really important. Um, the difference I think mm-hmm. for a songwriter is really finding their authenticity in their voice. Mm-hmm. And so singer songwriters, it's almost like a different approach. You know, you're, you're trying to find your sound, you're trying to find your identity and you're trying to find your voice and, and the words that you're speaking. And so we work with a lot of songwriters too. Um, but I always have a tendency to, even with songwriters be like, let's explore this, <laughs> let's explore yeah. this sound because there's some things that you just don't even realize could be a part of your voice that you could use to add texture or to add a way of communication in your yeah. song, like a different way of communicating in your song. Like sometimes that grit and a song and just that right moment, even if that's not the genre you normally sing in mm. can communicate that part of the song that much better. Right. So it's also finding those tools to help you as a communicator. Cause that's what you are as a songwriter for sure. Yeah. Cause we were talking yesterday about, um, you know, different vocalists that kind of use, um, edge or grit or growl, all those things in their, in their singing. And, 
you mentioned like you know we were working on a Led Zeppelin song but you mentioned about Beyonce like you know and she mm-hmm. has like the smoothest silkiest voice ever but she is able to access any voice quality she wants she can access yes. and that's so impressive yeah Do you know yeah and she'll and she'll use that you know uh, she'll use that growl and grit in moments that are necessary like some of her big aggressive type songs she uses more of aggressive vocal qualities right and it's just so important to have those those tools i think you know and it doesn't matter what genre you sing i think trying to have the tools to make your voice sound sweet warm bright dark like play with your voice um try not to get set in a specific way of singing yeah like is even like I'd say if, if, if you pick any singer that you, the first singer that comes into your head as a listener, like go and listen to them singing live, like look at live gigs and you'll probably find that they do, maybe they don't necessarily use it in the recording, but live, they probably do access a lot more voice qualities than they would in a recording. And, and sometimes the recordings are a little bit, um, unrealistic to try and mimic. It's better to go and watch the person, um, singing the song live you know as opposed to the radio Mm -hmm. version because you know that's going to be polished and all the rest and that's not always how it sounds live so you know don't compare yourself to those those recordings yeah it's so hard I think for singers to to hear all of these super produced vocals and then give themselves that expectation that they have to sound like that you know and yeah it's just it isn't really realistic um and also just in general, comparing yourself with like Ariana Grande is not really a good call. You know, <laughs> like she's, she's a unique individual with a unique voice and a unique sound. And, and she's, and she's been training since she was like 10, mm. you know, sometimes we forget that, but she did a Broadway show when she was like 11 or 12. I don't even know how old she was. Right. But so granted, like she, she probably was taking lessons even before that. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's really easy to compare yourself with another vocalist in the process of trying to learn and mimic. So it's just really important to kind of learn and play and hear what that vocalist is doing, but not compare yourself in a way that's putting yourself down. Like you have something unique to offer. Can you hear my dog barking? <laughs> oh dear. Have you done any recording work? Have you do- done much kind of, yeah, work in the studio? Yeah, I've done some um, kind of demo type things uh, and backing vocals and recording stuff for myself, like just just for fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've done some some work where it's like more like backing vocal work, probably not for anybody that anyone knows mm-hmm. <laughs> really, but uh, I can't say I did backing vocals for Michael Jackson. No, I didn't, I didn't <laughs> do anything. Okay. Um, but yeah, like here I've, yeah, I've recorded, done, done some um, backing vocals for different artists here in, in my city and um, an ensemble kind of work as well. Yeah. And um, so you're in an event band, is it, is it Uptown? Is that what the name yeah. of the band? Yeah. Uptown. Yeah. Yeah. And this is an, it's an event band, so you play weddings and lots of different events. And yes. you guys, like, if anyone wants to check their page, I'll pop the links underneath mm. the, the event. Um, 
but you guys seem to have a very polished look like you've it seems like a very thought out kind of um image that you're projecting um it's very kind of like motown disco but like glamorous at the same time there's a lot of sequence and like but very sophisticated <laughs> and cool as well. Um, oh, good. <laughs> yeah, We're I feel like a bunch of dorks, but that's great. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you know, maybe you don't want to like let your dorkiness out at someone's wedding. <laughs> oh, maybe we do. <laughs> which is maybe why you get booked, you know, because you're yeah, seeing yourself. Yeah. But yeah. I'm just wondering, um, like, do you guys sit down as a team and kind of make those decisions about marketing and how important is that when you're working in an event band? Yeah. Okay. So event bands, um, it's usually it starts off with a bunch of musicians are just like, Hey, let's have a band. Let's do some gigs. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but we just saw that we had something, uh, special and, um, Ariana, the other vocalist, um, with me, we noticed that we had a lot of chemistry and a lot of similar ways of performing. Like we, we both had a very similar background as vocalists, mm-hmm. you know, she worked for Royal Caribbean for years, like the singer, dancer, performer, entertainer was just a part of us. Like to mm-hmm. us, entertaining people is important. Um, it's not just about singing the songs and covering the songs and, and making them sound good. Like you also are engaging people and you're you're trying to give them the best night of their life like you're trying to give them a a night that they are going to remember and say that that was so much fun and so part of that is us just being ourselves and goofing off like uh part of that is you know I think I think it sort of naturally became what it is we both we both um had that kind of same energy same performance style we really liked, we, we think visually it's really important how, how we look. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want that blend of, we, we've always loved sequins, but we also want, we like sequins was a big thing right from the get-go. Mm-hmm. So we've, everything has sequins. Like we're always wearing sequins. I love that. Um, <laughs> which is fun, right? Yeah. But we always try to do it in a way that's not as, like there's a combination of it being professional, but like we wear sneakers instead. Or okay, we- okay. Like we try to have this combination of it being professional, but also really just a good time. Like down to earth. Yeah. Like we, exactly. Like we want to be approachable. So mm. we, we, we just, we get really silly. We have lots of fun on stage. We throw our bodies around. We, yeah. we have choreography for some of our songs. Like mm. we focus on um, the dancing and the performance side of things. So we just really try to put on a show and um and the balance of that putting on a show, but also engaging and actually communicating and uh, with with the crowd as as well. So, yeah. yeah, I think. Sorry, you were asking about marketing and and that kind of stuff. And so, what we always try to portray is that if you hire us, you're going to have a good night. Like it's going to be a good party. Yeah, and it's going to be really well done. Your your yeah. clients will be entertained. Um, they will hear, hear really great musicians, really tight musicians mm-hmm. and really tight vocals. Like we rehearsed before the pandemic, we rehearsed every week and this is six years, seven years into our band. And we still yeah. rehearse every week. Um, and it's because we want to make sure that every time that we are, um, 
doing a gig, everything that we are putting out there is always the best we possibly can. And I think that's where a lot of Mm. party bands um, fall short is that they just throw it together. They're like, ah, whatever, we did it last week. We don't need to to improve. Um, So that's just a huge priority to us is to continually improve, add music or add songs to our our set list that are new, Mm -hmm. add medleys like we like to make to make medleys. Um, but yeah, I think it's just your mindset is like treating it like it's a professional thing, you know? And I think some people don't, they just, they kind of are like, Mm. ah, whatever. It's just a, we're just a cool party band and, um, which is great, but you have to have some thought into it and, and how you want to be portraying and representing yourself as a band. Yeah, I, I feel like everything you've said, even about this, the, the slight goofiness and silliness and just kind of f- like fun lovingness. I think that, that you can tell that from looking at your Instagram page, like because your photos mm. are not just, you know, you're not just standing there. You're like, kind look of how cool I am. And yeah. Like, yeah, there's a little bit of like, yeah, I'm so cool. And a little bit of like, let's like mess. Just like be, and kind of, yeah. yeah. I, and that's kind of, think- that's what people do at, at events too. They, they mess and have fun and like, they don't all, they're not all professional dancers on the dance floor. Like they're just being goofy and like. Exactly. And that's a, that's just something that we find is, yeah, it's just super important to us. Like we want people to feel like they can be comfortable because a lot of times people don't feel comfortable to go to the dance floor. So mm. if they see us doing like, <laughs> we're ridiculous. They're like, oh, they're weirdos. I can be weird now too. Yeah. You know, just, yeah. I, you know, we want to create an environment really, because we're part of creating the atmosphere and the environment. So we want to create an environment where people feel comfortable to just let loose, really just to let loose and have, have fun, however way that looks like for them. If that looks like they're going to break dance. Great. That looks like they're just going to do finger guns the whole night. Great. You know, like you want them to just feel comfortable just being themselves. Yeah, that's that's a great a great a great um <laughs> philosophy I suppose in what you're doing because yeah, you're just making pe- people feel like yeah, they can just be themselves, which is really cool. And do your do your band members like do the musicians um also like do the dance moves and stuff like that as well or is it kind of more down oh. to the two females? <laughs> yeah, we 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 tend to do like most of the choreography mm-hmm. and and we kind of uh yeah, focus a lot of that energy. We still like goof off as a band. Like we'll be yeah. kind of silly as a band, but they're not dancers. <laughs> they're not like super into that kind of stuff. But there are times when we've like choreographed some like guitar movements and stuff yeah. like that. That's not really dancey, but engages a bit of that unified uh, choreography. But mm-hmm. yeah, they don't do the chore- the actual like dancing and stuff, but there's still that engagement, right? I think that's really important. Um, no matter no matter what the band is, unless depending on if you're an um, an artist, like depending on, on the type of music you're doing. But like if you're kind of an upbeat band that you're trying to get people to dance, I think it's really important that that even if the the guys and that are standing behind the singers are not going to do the full choreography, that they are engaging in some way. Mm-hmm. Do you know because your eyes are drawn to different instruments and different songs sometimes. Yeah, do you know in whoever's playing? So I think it is important for them to kind of to join in to an extent, and like even as you said, like doing like slight little guitar movements or whatever, like yeah. those little things just is like the cherry on top. I think, especially for yeah. like likes of what you're doing. Yeah, totally. Um, and yeah, it's just important to kind of 
find those moments that they would feel comfortable doing um, too, right? Because they're not, they're not movers. They're not Mm -hmm. really those kind of guys. So it's like, okay, like let's find a way to, to engage and, and to have fun together that they feel also confident and comfortable yeah, doing. I love that. Cause we, right. we are very much like over the, like we are like super high energy, like the two, two girls were super yeah. high energy and, and all that. So I think it's sort of like, um, yeah, like we're, we're kind of all over the stage and, and stuff. So it can be like, okay, sorry guys, <laughs> I almost hit you in the face there. You know, like you have to like, <laughs> Okay, but that can be fun to watch as well. Yeah, even if it's a little like kind of sloppy, almost that can be kind of like it's just real. It's just kind of yeah, real. You know, yeah, yeah, and that's what we try to we try to have that balance of it looking professional and having those professional really, really tight moments, and then having those like just free, free moments. Do you work out? Do you keep fit? Uh, pandemic? No, <laughs> I have not been working out, but yes, usually yeah. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that's an important factor when you're doing something like what you're doing to, is to be fit, stay healthy? hundred percent. It totally is. Um, I noticed those gigs that, you know, I haven't been, um, especially cardio, um, mm. I mean, it's really important to be strong. And so I do, I do like to to do more of like strength training and that kind of stuff, but it is important to be able to handle cardio, uh, especially for a high energy dance kind of party band. Like there have been sets of music where we've probably jumped the entire time. Like we're jumping up and down. Dancing and singing is hard. And yeah, like, so we're dancing and singing and jumping up and down pretty much the whole set. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, yeah, you don't want to go halfway. Like you want to be able to give, give your all and it not compromise your vocals or compromise what, what you're doing either. So you have to be in shape. I think you have to have Mm. the ability to slow your heart rate down and like to, to be able to keep up with, up with that. But I've noticed recently, I'm like, wow, I can't do that anymore. Cause I just Mm. haven't I've, I've stuck with like more long walks because I needed that for my brain Yeah, yeah. during the pandemic. You know, I've, I've been doing more like yoga and just more calm, calming exercises, which were super necessary. Um, but yeah, I've just started rowing again and stuff like that. Cause I'm like, okay, I need to like, I haven't sweat. (laughs) When was the last time I really like got my sweat on? Like, I don't know. So yeah, it is um... really important. Do you ever like vocalize while you're working out or doing some kind of physical movement? Do you know the way to like yeah. help build up that ability to sing and dance at the same time yeah. and do it safely? Yeah. So I think, um, I don't, I'm not super confident doing that at the gym, but at home <laughs> I have like a, a rowing machine. And so, um, I will, I mean, you're sitting, so it's a little bit different, but you're using your entire body when you're rowing and you're, mm-hmm your arms. And so you have to like, you're, it's, it's a different way of cardio and singing than it would be if you're like jogging. Mm-hmm. But, um, that's what I do. I just try to sing through the songs and, and just feel them out mm-hmm. really. Um, but the best workout for me was just gigging. Like mm. when we were yeah. gigging all the time, like you're getting in shape, you're jumping up and down, you're dancing, you're doing that over and over again, and you're singing while you're doing it. And so over time, you just kind of, 
get used to that setting. You know, your body can handle it. Your voice can handle it. Uh, but now that there's been this kind of deadland for, for performers and for musicians right now, it's, yeah, that's something that we've kind of had, to, I've kind of been like, oh man, like I've got nothing now. Like I really got to work, work this up again so that, you know, hopefully when things open up again, um, that Maybe I can get to go. <laughs> yeah. That like once that first gig that I'm not like dying, you know, I'm like, uh, uh, like I need to make sure that like, I can like carry yeah, the, <laughs> the trolley, take me out. Um, so yeah. So like you teach full-time or that's kind of your, your main stream of income at the minute and your studio is one voice vocal studio. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, I've noticed like over lockdown, you've started creating content and kind of putting up some videos and doing some live Facebook live th- stuff. Um, how have you found adapting to that content creation side of selling your product? Yeah. Um, so we did notice a big um, drop in students over the pandemic. You know, mm-hmm. I think people, I think it's just too hard for people to commit to also taking lessons, you know, when we're not really sure where the world is at and all that stuff. So it kind of forced me to think a little bit outside of the box. Um, we did have some online lessons already, you know, teaching some people that don't live in the same city as us already. So that transition wasn't that difficult, you know, transition, transitioning to zoom lessons was, we kind of already knew how to do some of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are ways that we could tighten it up for sure, but we've kind of figured out that part of, um, that transition, but moving on to the, uh, Instagram and all of that kind of stuff. I just, honestly, I just spent hours and hours reading up on how to do it properly and mm-hmm. like how to be more strategic with it. And I'm definitely just in the experimental stage right now, still a lot of trial and error and just seeing like, does this work? Um, so, um, so I, I was, I love to learn. So I think at first I was super excited about it. Cause I was like, cool, I'm going to like, you know, learn more about this because before we would only post stuff and it was like, oh, we have this event or we're doing this, you know, and mm-hmm. it wasn't, it wasn't strategic in the sense of like how to gain, um, like the right audience and, and how to, and how to have people, you know, gaining from looking at your material you know, because for us, it was just like, it was really just another means of communication for our students. Like it wasn't really something that was like a marketing system for us. It was just like, Hey, this is what we're doing this week, guys. Like it wasn't really something that was, uh, about expansion, I guess. Yeah. So that transition is just a lot of trial and error. So it can be really, really frustrating. Um, mm-hmm. Instagram can be a thing is very uh, time consuming and reels are just a pain in the butt. Really. They have a (laughs) lot of like the, you know, there's three different dimensions for different views and different, like, it's just, and then like, they sometimes just randomly delete and then you have to start all over again. And it's just like, just really frustrating little glitches that happen in, in some of their newer things that Instagram offers. So it's like working through those glitches and not wanting to tear my hair out. You know, (laughs) it's like that combination of like, I want to get, I want to put this out there, but you're making it difficult. Um, But yeah, so the transition um, into that, like, I love that kind of stuff. Like I love to create 
content. Like I like, I like being able to create videos and I want to do more of that kind of stuff. Um, but there has been a lot of like, a lot of, oh, that didn't work. Oh, that didn't work. Oh, that Mm -hmm. didn't work. You know, there's a lot of that happening right now. And I, you know, some things are improving and some things I'm like, oh, that still didn't work. You know, it's like the fourth time I've done it and it still doesn't work. Whatever it is that Mm -hmm. I did there didn't work or the sound went really funny there, or, you know, there's just so many variables. Um, so working through that has been a bit of a challenge for sure. Um, and it's hard to see the benefit at this point. So I think we're still pretty, pretty early on in this journey of trying to be creating more content and, and being more engaging, I guess, on, on social media. So it's still a very Mm. early thing. So I don't know if it's working yet. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if we're succeeding yet, but uh, I don't know if it needs to work straight away though. I think it's about mm. like, Cause I mean, I started doing videos myself, like at the start of lockdown too, like just really basic on my phone, like, um, and even just getting used to talking in front of the camera and stuff as well, yeah. it takes practice, but like nobody was really paying any attention to what I was putting up at the beginning. But like, in a way I was okay with that because I was only practicing and just seeing how I felt about it when it was out on the platform, you know? Yes. And, you know, I think there's a certain amount of that, but I think like, as you go on your content your content will improve you'll become more confident and more strategic as you said with it and mm-hmm. then when when your audience does come to you they'll go oh how have I been missing out on this page like there's like mm-hmm. all this stuff and like it's really good quality and you know and then you'll kind of have built it up then instead of waiting for yourself to have thousands of followers and then mm-hmm. all you're expected straight away to be brilliant like yeah just, you know, because I, I just I did that like at the last at the end of the summer because um, I was afraid to be putting stuff up. And even some of the mm-hmm. videos I put up on my website, but they're they're only available if you go on my website, which nobody really does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they're not actually on YouTube, you know, they're like on unlisted. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know that. I get that. I've done that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I was just like, I just said to myself, if I don't start and don't, you know, try and start building it up I'm never going to get better and then I won't be ready when this when the the crowds come you know (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's true it's true you have to prepare yourself and something that um I guess a question I always have is that like as I'm giving out content you know it's really easy to think uh like did I did I say that correctly did I like as a teacher Mm -hmm. you know it's really easy to be like oh well does this go against this thought or does it like, you know, um, did I, was I too, like, it's this way or that way, because there's so many variables, you know? Um, so a lot of times I go back and I'm like, Oh, well, like if another voice teacher watched this, what would they think? You know? Mm. And, um, and not, not in like a, um, a bad way necessarily, but it was something that I was like, I want to make sure that even a voice coach would be able to, not even, but, you know, a voice coach and somebody that knows a lot mm-hmm. would, would gain benefit from this as well. You know, that it's not yeah. just like, um, that, it, that it can benefit voice coaches and, and vocalists, right? I mean, voice coaches mm-hmm. are vocalists, but, um, yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. but, but it's, yeah. it is a balance because I do, I do see online, you know, you, you follow, you begin to follow more voice coaches and more, um, other 
things that are similar, right? Um, and I'm looking at a lot of stuff and I'm like, oh, like I was going to post that next week, something almost exactly the same, I you know? know, and you're just like, all oh, that stuff's like, oh, I was going to, oh, I just said that last week or, you know, you're like, oh, I was going to do that. And, and so it's really easy to be like, oh crap, like I can't do it anymore because, well, that person did it like, yeah. like Gemma Sugru or, you know, I'm like, oh, I was going to do that, you know? And, but that doesn't mean that what I'm going to do isn't valuable. Like I have Mm -hmm. different audience, you know? And so I think it's important to be like, that's great that they did that. I can also do that, (laughs) you know, and you're not copying them. You're not, it's the same. I like, you might have the same idea. Yeah. That doesn't mean that it's not good anymore, you know? And so that's something that I've had to be like, okay, like just because I've seen other people do similar things doesn't mean I shouldn't do it. You know, yes, like I, yeah. I can do this because <clears throat> I'm a different person and I know that people have appreciated the way that I've communicated something with them. And so mm-hmm. I have different people that, um, yeah, like a, different people that connect with me and, mm. and that's important to, to help those people that can connect with me, but can't connect with somebody else because those singers yeah. still need to learn. And, and so it's, it's really being able to, to um, I guess, yeah, to, to allow yourself to you can go through that thought process, but then come back to the fact that it's like, you know what, you still have something to offer. You still have a voice to share. And that goes with, if you're doing covers or anything, like you still have something to offer. So put it out there. You're a different person. You're an individual. Yeah. So even if it's a cover of the same song, that's been covered a 500 billion times, it's still your interpretation of it. It's still valuable. So yeah, it's re- I, I was just kind of smiling because exactly what you said is the thought process I have been through over the last year about, oh man, I can't do that now because if now if I do that, if someone else puts it up, I'm like, they'll think I'm copying them or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like, there's been so many opportunities that I've not allowed myself to take because I've been like, oh, I can't do it. Like I wanted to start a podcast since 2017, 18. Mm-hmm. And then I seen another vo- voice coach starting these kind of like um, interview things on their Facebook page. And I was like, oh, crap, no, I can't do it because I'm she'll think I'm copying her. I don't want to be disrespectful. Mm-hmm. And like I would have all yeah. these thoughts. And then in August gone, I was just like, do you know what? Exactly what you're saying. But also like I know that we can like log on to be with any teacher in any anywhere in the world, but like you know, a lot of my students are local students, like they're people who mm-hmm. live in the area, like young kids and things like that and teenagers. And, you know, my content is like at the minute, it's for them. It's like it's for it's for it's for them and for people like them who who want to know more about me, who actually come mm-hmm. looking to know more about me. Yeah, they mm-hmm. might be able to get it on another page, but that's it doesn't matter. Like if they want mm-hmm. to come and learn with me, like then they know how I present my information and they know how I present myself you know, mm-hmm. like just because someone else does it doesn't mean that they're going to be attracted to work with them. They might be attracted yeah. to my personality, do you know? So yeah. I was like, do you know, this is I'm exact... not going to stop myself from, from putting myself out there now because of that anymore. Totally. And this is like what we were talking about earlier, like about people deciding which coach they want. Mm-hmm. If they see that you have a podcast, they're going to be like, oh, Rebecca has a podcast. Let me see if I could jive with her. Like, let me see if we connect and like, oh yeah, I totally like her. I'm going to book a, a session with her because mm. now I kind of know who she is, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's totally valuable. Even if it's, even if it's not the content that they're listening for, it's the person, right? It's, it's yeah. finding that person that feels like your person, right? Somebody yeah. that would be on, in your corner. 
Um, so, mm-hmm. and that's super important as a vocal coach. It's like, you want people to know that you care about them because you do like, and you're sharing content because you care, you want them to know how to navigate these topics. That, like the questions that you're asking me, if somebody faces a similar thing that I did, you want them to know how to, or what their options are. Right. So yeah. it's because you care. And I think people appreciate that as well, like where yeah. it's coming from. Yeah. It's like, um, it's like, like having a door and like a little window into, to like, I wonder what I'd be like to work with that person. Oh, they've been putting up these videos. Let's have a look and go, oh, yeah, I like mm-hmm. the vibe, you know? So I, I think mm-hmm. for me at the minute, that's what the purpose of me putting up videos and my doing my podcast for is. It's a little bit of that of like, letting people know who I am and getting people, letting people know, um, get to know me, do you know? Mm -hmm. So totally. Yeah. (laughs) I think that's, I think that's for, for me, that's the same thing. Like our studio, we're trying to get, you know, people that don't know us already. Cause right now the followers we have are people that have met us in person. We've worked with them. Like our following is small. Cause it's, it's very just like people that actually Mm -hmm. have connected with us. Right. Um, already. So we're trying to break out of that. So it's people that don't know us yet that can maybe say, Oh yeah. Like, I think, I think I would like to work with her, you know, and, and people that are searching for vocal coaches, like, mm-hmm. I don't want, pe- I don't want to be, it's not for people that are like, Oh, I just, you know, I don't need a vocal coach. <laughs> it's like, we are trying to help people see that we are the vocal coach for them. If, yeah. I mean, if that, if that's what they think, right? Like, yeah, I want to find those people that want to do that. Right. So, yeah, but that's how I ended up working with you. I, I, yeah, I think we ended up, I ended up following each other after one of the VIP con- conferences. Yeah. I seen that you posted, you had like a poster for like, um, like a workshop on singing edge. Yeah. Singing. And I was like, that's something I've wanted to, to study for a while. And I have never studied it. Um, so then I was like, I listened to the 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 little co- webinar or whatever you call it, and I was like, "Yeah, I like her vibe." And I remember like emailing the student, "Go, is it okay if I work with Erica because she, she's the one who did the the workshop?" And yeah. you know, it's because it was it was partly because I liked I liked your vibe and I liked what you were offering. So yeah, yeah, it works, and that's just it. And there's there's so many things like people want different approaches, right? And and uh, what I love about Joy is uh, she's just, she really helps singers who are really struggling with insecurity and just being able to like, just open themselves up. Like she just has this magic gift of like helping people feel so comfortable and secure. And so there are singers out there that really want that, you know, they really want to connect with somebody that's going mm. to to be a really safe place. Um, and so, yeah, there's just so many, yeah, there's so many things that you're a different person. Everybody's looking for something unique and, and Mm -hmm. finding that person that, that really does fit is, is super important. But yeah, I think that was really cool. Cause I think like, I, I remember thinking that I was like, Hey, this person is like, booking a session because of something we posted on Instagram. And that was, you're the first person that's connected through Instagram, I guess. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I mean, we've, we were at an event together, mm-hmm. but we didn't meet, we nope. didn't talk at that event, you know? Um, but yeah, it was, it, it's cool to think that, Hey, something that we posted and we offered online was something mm. that now we have this connection and now we're doing this podcast and who knows how this relationship will continue to grow. Right. And, yeah. and so that kind of stuff is super, super cool. Right. Like it's, that's where you're like, that's, that's neat. Like that's, that is exciting to me 
um, yeah, as like well. What year, just, did you, what year was it you went to v, the Vocology and Practice Forum? What year was it was that you were there last? It was the London, the London, the London one. one. So it wasn't last year. It wasn't the year before. It was three years ago then. So it, yeah. took, it took three years for you to see a result from that networking opportunity. Mm-hmm. And although we didn't meet at the forum, we added each other somehow through probably different people. Yeah, I think we just, I think we had tagged of the events, right? Like we had tagged yeah. stuff at the event and, and they so shared seeing, and, yeah. yeah, yeah. Seeing those tags or whatever, then you end up sharing people that are in that same world, right? And mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, but it's true. Like you're saying, it does take time and and so that's something that I'm, I'm trying to, I have to remind myself, you know, like, um, okay, like this is a, <laughs> this is a process, it's a journey. And maybe, you know, maybe two years from now is where we'll see the fruit of these seeds that we're planting, you know, and yeah, it, yeah, it does take time. So I think as well, though, because we're, because of like lockdown and COVID and everything, we're literally the internet is the is a window to what everyone is doing and like so now we, we can see what everyone else is doing so in a way we're kind of looking at ourselves going "Ooh, now I need to probably be a bit more proactive because there's more competition now because mm-hmm. of the online scene do you know mm-hmm. and I hate that word I really hate that word but yeah at the end of the day that's what it is and although like um we were talking about like you know picking a coach that you're going to vibe with or whatever not everyone knows that they have the option to do that you know Mm -hmm. especially like like younger kids and stuff like that or you know um so like they just go with whoever they they see or whatever that kind of thing but I think because the internet is like showing us what everyone else is doing now it's like a lot of pressure I find it to be a lot of pressure yeah yeah there is definitely a love-hate relationship that I have with social media, mm-hmm. um, for sure. It's definitely something where I'm like, okay, like this, I know this can be beneficial, but right now I really don't like it. <laughs> yeah. You know? And so it's just kind of, you know, finding those ways to be like, okay, like I know I'm giving something that hopefully will benefit somebody right now. And then I leave it at that. And then, and, and that's my priority is just like, okay, like how can I provide content that is going to help the singer on the other end? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of the only thing I can think about right now. And I know we should have goals and I know we should have all these things, but, but right now we, it's like, should we though? Yeah. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Should, 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 should. Yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm not necessarily all about being so strict with like goal setting and things like that. I do, I do believe in kind of the power of attraction and that side of things. Mm-hmm. So I do mm-hmm. in like, you know, write down what your, your wants and hopes and wishes are and, you know, try and act towards that. And yeah and see what happens but I think not everyone works that way not everyone is so strategic and and methodical and planned out and mm-hmm. um I think it's really important to to try and and find a way to stay connected with who you are outside mm-hmm. of your work yeah. like you know go for walks in nature spend time with your loved ones read like learn yeah. about something have a hobby that's not to do with music you know yeah like, I think it's important to like not to get too caught up in like you're just the vocal coach you're just the singer who has yeah. to be online like all these other people and you're kind of comparing yourself even though we say we don't want to but we do yeah you know? like try and find a way to connect stay connected with who you are yeah 
And I think through like with that too, um, you can prioritize in a way, right? Like you can, like what I was saying about the post, it's like, I can make sure that my focus is, okay, like I know I, I'm wanting to help the singer on the other end. So that's what I'm going to do with this. And then you can leave it alone and yeah, spend time walking or doing something else, right? You can, mm-hmm. you're, you can, there's so much like pressure that we do put on ourselves for all of this stuff. So it's really good to just be like, okay, the goal, like make not necessarily goal setting, but like my intention, yeah, Mm -hmm. intention and purpose with this specific thing is to just to offer some help because that's what Mm -hmm. I am. I'm a voice coach and that's what I want to do. So so at least on that platform, that's what I want to do is is offer vocal coaching Mm -hmm. um and vocal help and that and then that's that's the purpose it's not about getting however many followers it's not like because to me I mean I don't even care how many followers I have it's it's more about like having people that want to to have this content want to engage and 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 learn from that quality learn from a word yeah yeah (laughs) cool well I think that's probably a nice place to wrap it up nice positive ending (laughs) 